I'd love to pray to start off with. So Father, we love you and we're thankful for today and we're thankful that you are speaking to us and we're thankful that you have sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and we're thankful that it was better that he went, that the Holy Spirit would be here dwelling on the inside of believers across the earth. And so, Father, we ask that in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us today. I ask that you would speak to every heart in this room. I ask that you would encounter every heart with the, the greatness of who the Father is, the greatness of who Jesus is. Would you come and touch our hearts so we love you and we thank you and ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking the last couple of weeks, this whole past month, about vision for our church, mission for our church. The vision of our church is to glorify God as we walk in faith, as we rejoice in hope, and as we're known by love. So in our, our mission statement is we gather, we equip, we commission. These things should be near and dear to our heart as a church. It's the vision of where we're going. It's the mission by which we reach our vision. This is not just head knowledge, but these things are things for our heart, things for us to engage in. So we also, as a church, have core values. I don't know if everybody even knows that we have core values. They're right on our website, the things that have been placed for years. And so this next couple weeks, you're going to hear different messengers, different people up here who are going to talk about what are the core values of why we're doing what we're doing. These values are some of the foundations for why we have vision, for why we have mission. So our core values, prayer and worship, our core values, biblical foundation, our core value of a hope of the gospel, and our core value of intentional community. These are things in which we look to if someone asks what's your church about. If these things are not important to you, you have to ask yourself why. It's why we're gathering here. If you read the mission statement, if you read the vision statement, and it doesn't connect to your heart, you have to ask yourself, why? Why are you here? Why am I here? If you don't have a core value of prayer and worship, if you don't have a core value for biblical teaching, for the hope of Jesus' return, to gather together an intentional community, these are foundations. And I have the huge honor and blessing. It's not so much a teaching on what is prayer and worship, because who knows that there is never going to be a, a full teaching of how I can tell you this is how prayer and worship should look. I promise you, and I've said this before, I'm not going to talk about everything that you probably want me to talk about. My job up here is a messenger the people up here who teach, their job is not to give you a comprehensive idea of what everything is. It's to stir up hunger. It's to give a perspective. It's to give a portion of what the Lord is saying and doing in this hour. And so my only ask from you today 
is just to hear the portion that the Lord's given me about what prayer and worship is, about what that could look like at that church and what the point and the message that the Lord's given to me to share today, amen? And so I realize that um, I've stood up here for years, whether on worship teams, whether teaching, praying. A lot of you know of me, but you don't know me. You don't really know my background. It, it, it can be measured by kind of looking at like how I lead worship or what I talk about, maybe what you think you know about me. But I want to share a little bit before I even get into prayer and worship I want to share because the Lord reminded me this morning of, of something beautiful. Like, I grew up in a church. When we're talking about prayer and worship, I grew up in a church that had an organ. Anybody ever been to a church with an organ? Anybody been to a church where there's the choir in the back of like 50 people singing off key to the organ? I have been there. I lived in it for years and years and years. Do you know that the church I went to had the biggest handbell choir? The east of, east, where was I? East of the Mississippi. Biggest handbell choir. Exciting stuff, huh? Do like, you know what I mean? Like all the, the men, would, I mean, I was even like a teenager, the men would get the big bells. And like, because you couldn't even lift them and you just smacked the bell and stuff like that. Like, and every Christmas you heard bells and handbells. And then I went to college, and I don't even consider myself a Christian until college. And then I went to college, and my experience of worship, who's ever been to a church of Christ? What is significantly different about a church of Christ? There's no instruments. No instruments. There's a tuner in which somebody would stand at the front. And that's really where I feel like I began my journey with worship and prayer. Acapella. Beautiful harmonies. I feel, like, I feel like the Lord blessed everybody in the Church of Christ with like, beautiful like, vocals because they weren't allowed to play anything. So it's like you had to sing. It was beautiful. I still to this day love a cappella worship. I still to this day love the idea of lifting up voices. And then who's ever heard of Chris Tomlin? Passion Movement. Um, a couple years while I was at... at uh, Pepperdine, that's where I went to church. Uh, I was part of a church. Um, and everything was passion because it was the road to one day. And all Chris Tomlin and Charlie Hall and Matt Redman and all their songs. Who remembers the passion movement? What would happen if a generation gathered together to pray for one day? And I loved the passion movement. And then, you know what I did? I moved to Hawaii. And I was part of a huge four-square church. Huge Tens of thousands of people. And we were in Hawaii. And you know what Hawaii is close to? I mean, I guess Australia. So guess where my worship came from there? What, 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 whose base is in Australia? Hillsong. Okay, so we had a lot of Hillsong, United songs. And all of a sudden, that's where I was at. Listened to a lot of Hillsong. And then, you know what? We came back. My amazing wife. Who knows my amazing wife? Give her a cheer. Tosh Kosla. Woo! She came to Ohio with me. Crazy, right? She came to Ohio with me, and, and we, we were part of a large church in Ohio. We were part of a house of prayer in Cleveland and stuff like that. And so around that time, we started to listen to a lot of IHOP worship. So then I was trained in a little bit in the worship, and then we went to IHOP KC, and I was trained there. 
And then guess what else happened? Bethel came. Who's ever listened to a Bethel worship song? Right? So, and then who's ever heard of Maverick City? Has anybody ever sung a Maverick City song? That's right. And now what's the new worship movement? I don't even know. I've been through so many different periods of worship. And prayer. I woke up the other morning and I prayed for 45 minutes just for my kids and my wife and for some of you guys. And there was no music in the background. None. Right? Because you can pray without music. Did you know that? Beloved, did you know you can pray without music? And I'll tell you, do you know what is significant about every church I've been in and in every way I've prayed and every way I've worshipped? God's remained the same. God has not changed out of my preference of what it looks like to worship. God has not changed out of my preference of what prayer should look like. And you know what's been similar about all the people I have been around? They've all just wanted to seek the Lord. The foundation of what worship and prayer was about, not what was being sung or the eloquent words that were being spoken. It was about a heart posture that wanted to seek the Lord. They didn't seek eloquent words. They didn't seek slow songs. They didn't seek fast songs. They didn't seek for the lights to be on or off. They had a posture of heart that wasn't about glorifying even the church or the worship leader, the teacher. The desire was to seek him and him alone first. God didn't change based on my preference. But the desire to seek him led me to his presence. And then you know who got changed? Who got changed? I did. Because worship and prayer is not about trying to change the Lord. But worship and prayer is entering into his presence, knowing that when we do, we change and are conformed to his likeness. You know, what I'm, you know why I'm at Restoration Fellowship? I'm here because we are a body of believers that seek him first. In all of our changes, in all of our different ways, in everything that our ups and downs and our mistakes and our failures, I've had plenty being on leadership here over the last four years. But I stay because I want to be around a people who seek him first. I stay because I look at Mark Thompson, I think to myself, you know what? Mark Thompson is seeking the Lord. I'm looking at Rory. Like, you know, he is seeking the Lord. I can look at Michael Kohler. He's not on leadership, but he's seeking the Lord. Jim Smith, I'm so happy to see you. You're seeking the Lord. Every time I see you, I know that you're seeking him first. And we all make mistakes and we all go through changes, but we're seeking him first as best as we can, and that's why I'm here. I can't attest to why you guys are all here, but that's why I'm here. That's why we've stayed through changes. It's why we've stayed through difficulty, because we're going to seek him first. Tasha and I have said, as for me and my house, we're going to put our trust in the name of the Lord. 
And so this message of prayer and worship starts with numeral, Roman numeral two, seekers of God are promised to be a people of prayer and worship. And do you know why I know that? Because the Bible says so. We say we want to walk in faith, but faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're going to walk in faith, we better know what he says. And so part of walking in faith is knowing the scripture. And there's this nice scripture. It's so small. And I found it just about two months ago. And it's been stirring my heart. And it's Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six, And all it says is, those who seek him will praise the Lord. You want to start with a foundation of why we have a core value of prayer and worship? It's because to pray and to worship him, what do we have to do first? We have to seek him. And what was so interesting about this scripture in Psalm 26, or Psalm 22, what's so funny is Psalm 22 kind of gets lost because who knows what Psalm 23 is? The Lord is my shepherd, yeah. Like, I mean, it's one of those psalms that like, so many people know. So let's just skip past Psalm 22 to get to Psalm 23. You ever read like a, you know, like a Bible in a year, and it's almost like, well, Psalm 22 is good, but let's get to the one I know. The Lord is my shepherd. What we don't necessarily know is that Psalm 22, my beginning of uh, my Bibles calls it the suffering, praise, and posterity of the Messiah. And it starts off, Psalm 22 starts off with this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where is that from? The cross, who said it? Jesus did. In Psalm 22, this is a prophetic voice saying what Jesus was going to say on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is literally words that Jesus spoke prophesying. Years and years later, what Jesus would say on the cross. And so you read through Psalm 22, it's the suffering, Jesus dying on the cross, <laughs> Jesus being persecuted and whipped and unclothed. And then it talks about the suffering, but then it goes to the praise, because who would Jesus still praise on the, on the cross? Who was he still praising? God the what? God the Father. And who knows what posterity means? Because I will tell you, I did not. <laughs> I was reading it, and I was like, I don't know what this means. Posterity means to all future generations. This was a psalm that was talking about Jesus on the cross and what he was going to do. He went through suffering. He went through praising the Father unto generation, unto generation, every future generation, knowing what he was going to say and how it would affect him. And all I could think about in like the last couple weeks and the last couple months is one of the promises he said that those who seek him will praise him. Hanging on the cross, he just said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All these different things, but I'm still going to praise you. And the reason why I'll praise you is because I'll seek you and I'll set my focus on you. I'll give you my Hebrews 12 too for the joy set before me. I'll endure the cross. Because if I seek something in front of me, I can still have joy in the moment and I'll seek that in front of me. 
and I will endure the present, knowing that as I seek you, what's going to happen? Those who seek him will what? Find him. And once you find him, you're going to see him. And when you see him, what are we going to do? We're going to praise him. And this little phrase has changed my life in the last couple months, in the last couple weeks, in the last couple days. And I was asking, like, what does it mean to seek? And all I can say is what it means to seek the Lord is there's a difference. When you seek something, it means it's not close at hand. It's not close to you. Because if I'm seeking, I have to look for it and I have to find it. Meaning, one who is seeking knows and understands there's some sort of distance and separation between what you want and what's right in front of you. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh. The Lord is going to promise that if I seek him, I'll find him and what's going to be over, the distance, the separation. Our heart is going to be united together. And because when we're together, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to have conversation of prayer. And I thought this little phrase, man, oh, those who seek him, if I seek him, I'm going to find him. And when I find him, I'm going to praise him. And I've been thinking about, even my own heart, the difference between spectators and seekers. If you look, I wrote a little, little ditty right there, uh, letter C, under Roman numeral 2. Spectators are not seekers because they desire distance and separation. Spectators perfect, purposely sit in a theater in seats apart from the stage in a stadium and bleachers at a distance from a field so that they can watch from a distance without having to participate. Seekers of the Lord do everything they can to end the separation. Seekers aspire to walk with God hand in hand, talk to God face to face, dwell with God in his face. And seekers aspire to abide in his love, to be known as his beloved, to be accepted in his family through Jesus and to be transformed daily more and more into his image. And beloved, the question the Lord is asking, yes, we have a foundation and we have a core value of prayer and worship, but are we seekers today? Are we a people? Are we a family? Are we a people whose desire is to end the separation between our hearts and Jesus? And you'll know if you're a seeker, and I'll say this, it's determined by what and whom you desire. I will tell you, show me your schedule and I'll tell you what your desires are. If we as a church came up here and everybody came up here with their schedule and just said, this is what I do with my time, would it show that you're a seeker? We love the accountability of things on phones and all these different things, but what if we had the accountability that everybody at our church knew our schedule and how we spent our time? I mean, what would you guys think? I'm thinking, and I'm talking to myself, what if I showed my schedule of how I spent my last week? Would I be proud? Would you even want to listen to me? How many of you would turn your ear away from what I had to say, do you think, if I actually showed you what my schedule was? Would I be proud? Would you be proud? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> and so, but that's a very convicting thing. How, how do I spend my time? And I think to myself, 
How, do, how we spend our time is a determining factor of what we're seeking after. Because I love Psalm 27, 4. It says, this one thing that I desire, that which I would what? Seek. Do you know that what we seek is founded upon what we desire? And so how we're spending our time is a determining factor of what we're actually seeking. This is my desire, and so that way I'm going to put my time forward. And a seeker of God, I love this, the idea that one of the greatest tragedies in the heart of a seeker is postponement. One of the greatest tragedies is the, the postponement, the um, procrastination of actually receiving. How much of our hearts are in a state of complacency that it doesn't really matter that we are ending separation with the Lord. How many of us are actually in a place of postponement because I'm like, I just want to find him. I just want to know him. I just want to be with him. I just want to abide in love. I just want to be there so I can worship him and give him all the glory and all the honor. Is that the zeal of my heart? Is that the zeal of our heart as a church? Because it says it on a piece of paper that it is. It says it on a piece of paper that one of our foundations is prayer and worship. It's not just as a corporate church. This is not just about why we gather on Sundays, but we bring the best corporately of what we do in our individual lives. You can't just come to church on a Sunday, a prayer meeting on a Thursday, a life group during the week. You just can't just do that and be like, well, I'll make prayer and worship my uh, foundation, my core value there, but not make it the rest of the time. We bring the best corporately of what we're doing individually and personally. Prayer and worship can't be a thing that we do for 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. It can't be what we do for 15 minutes at a life group. It can't be that. Because guess what? If we're not individually praying and worshiping and seeking him, do you know what chances are we won't do it here? And if we do do it here, it won't necessarily be to seek him. It will be for the show that, so that nobody knows that we're not doing it in secret. If we don't seek him in our individual space, in our individual lives, it's going to show through here. None of us are as good of actors as we think we are. Raising your hands, kneeling on the floor, clapping your hands, singing. To do it without being a seeker is a show. And chances are, if we don't really care about doing it individually, we're not going to care about doing it here. And the focus is no longer even going to be him. It's going to be blaming everything else of why we're not seeking him. And the truth is, do you know why we seek him? Because he's worthy. He's so kind. He's so good. You know why else we seek him? He teaches us. I want to go to Roman numeral three. Who knows that the Lord is not going to ask us to do anything that he's not doing himself. So if we're seeking him, what is he probably doing? He's seeking us. He is seeking something as well. John 4 says it. 
The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And who knows that God is looking for something as well. Second Chronicles tells us, for the eyes of the Lord search to and fro. They're looking throughout the whole world and they are looking for hearts that are loyal to him, that he might show himself strong. Do you know that the Lord is looking for worshipers? Do you know that every Sunday morning, the Lord is watching us? And he's not watching us so that we, he can be like, oh, you don't have your hands raised. Oh, you didn't kneel when the, the, somebody told you to kneel. And oh, oh, he's not looking for that. He's looking for a posture of heart. He is looking for people who are looking at him. Because guess what? When we seek him, what are we going to do? We're going to find him. And when we find him, what are we going to do? Praise him. Good job, Jaden. Well, that's right. He's looking at you. He's looking for us. He's looking for a posture of heart. He's not looking. He's not up there looking for something specific on the outward appearance, what he's looking for is the posture of heart that is just looking for him. Because you know why? He wants, to he wants to meet eyes with you. He wants to meet eyes with us. He wants to see a heart that is searching for him. And he's like, find me. You're going to find me. You know, he looks at you, Kaylee, and he's like, you're going to search for me? You're going to find me? You will. You know, Kim Domingo, and when he, when he looks to you, he says, he said, I want to see your eyes because I want you to find me. And guess what? I'm seeking you as much as you're seeking me. Those who seek him will what? Find him, and those who find him will what? They'll praise him. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Do you know that in those days, he says, I love that it says this. He said, but the hour is coming and now is. We talked about that. The hour is now. This is the time to seek him. This is the time to worship him. This is the time to, to listen to him and speak to him. This is the time, not tomorrow, not next week. It starts now. And the Father is so deliberate about that. Now is the time, beloved. Now is the time, restoration. This is the hour to seek him because the Father is looking for us as a church, not just to have a core value of prayer and worship, but to actually live it. To not have a name that we're alive. Who, I mean, I can tell you the number of people I came here, they're like, they come to restoration. So many people are like, oh, the worship. There's just something different about the worship, the prayer that's going on there. I never want to be a part of a place that's a name that we're alive, but we're not actually doing it. This is a core value, not to just to have a name, but to have an action. We are a people that seek him because the Father is looking down on us. He's looking at us and he's saying, wow, that church is seeking me. They didn't have a drummer that week, but the people didn't care because they just came to church for him. They might not have had four singers that week, but the, it didn't matter we have brand new sound people. Who's thankful for Jeremiah today? For our sound. How many times have you done sound, Jeremiah, by yourself? 
Today is his first time. Can we say thank you to Jeremiah? But guess what, beloved? God is not concerned that this is Jeremiah's first day doing sound. He's looking to say, okay, what if we didn't get the right cue? What if we didn't do this? Are you going to seek him? Because the Father is seeking people who's saying, the sound might be off. We might not have a drummer. You might not know a song. The person next to you might be singing really loudly, really badly. Children, oh my gosh, children might be up front and distracting you. There might be a flag. Oh my gosh, there might be a flag, you guys. And the Lord is saying, guess what? I'm looking for a posture of heart that's undistracted, who will seek me through all those things. Where was Jesus on the Where was Jesus when he said those who seek me will praise me? Where was he? He was on the cross. Has anybody in the room been nailed to a cross lately? Because when he was on the cross the promise was seek me. Seek the Father. You'll find him. And when you see him, you might be nailed to a cross, but for the joy set before me, I'm going to go in and look at the Father. I'm going to see the right hand, and he's worthy. He's beautiful. He's holy. He's good. He loves me, and I'm going to praise him while I'm nailed there. I'm going to praise him while I'm going through these circumstances. I'm going to talk to him because I know he hears me. And I know he'll respond because there's never been a God like him. One who acts on behalf of those who call to him. From those who ask for him. From those who call upon his name. And therefore I will love the Lord my God with, for the rest of the days of my life. And I will call upon him all the days of my life because I know he hears me. That's who our God is. That's who we're worshiping. That's who we're praying to. That's who, that's who we're going to. That's who we're kneeling before. We seek him because of who he is. We seek him because of who he is. And I would love for everybody to go ahead and close your eyes. This is Roman numeral four. You don't have to worry about it. I want to read some scriptures of why we seek him. I want to read some scriptures, and I, I want to invite you to close your eyes, and I want to invite you to, to listen to these words, because faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? I want, to, I want to hear you say it. Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. One more time. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of God should touch our hearts. It's our means to know who he is. And so I want to invite you to listen to who our God is based on what the scripture says and let faith arise and be comforted that this is why we seek him. So I'm going to go ahead and read a couple things. Let's close our eyes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Forget not the benefits for he forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction, and he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things. 
I will exalt you, my God, my King, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. He has mighty acts. The glorious splendor of his majesty, his wondrous works, his greatness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways. Psalm 149, 9-1 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Beloved, close your eyes and remember that. We praise him because he takes pleasure in us. He's taking pleasure in you right now. He is taking pleasure in you right now. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. Revelation 5 says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. This is who He is. These are songs in the Bible that were sung not just about Him, but to Him. Who else is worthy to be praised? Who else went to the cross? Who else is good to all? Yes, we are people of worship and prayer because that's what it says on a paper. That's what it says our core value is. But are our core values based on what's written on a paper or because it's just true? Because I have a value to seek the Lord. And I know when I seek Him, I'm going to find Him. And I know I'm going to praise Him. Anything less than the Lord. And the question is, what are we worshiping? Who are we praying to? I realized that I'm going to read this scripture to you, Joshua 7, 19. I've read it before, but I don't know if it's ever hit me the way it did. It says, now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord of Israel and make confession to him. The first step of a seeker is repentance. Look at that. Give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. I forgot until just the other day that repentance is in itself worship and prayer. There's a lot of us who are trying to pray and worship without actually turning to him and without repenting. There's a lot of us who are just trying to push through our own weakness. We're trying to push through our own feelings of fear 
and difficulty and bitterness and anger and frustration. And we're trying to push through without turning to him. And then we wonder why we feel so complacent and bored in worship. We wonder why our prayer life doesn't feel zealous. And I feel like the Lord wants to remind us of his kindness today, of his goodness. Thursday at our prayer meeting, our elders had a word about repentance and corporate repentance. And it was so exciting. I gave my notes to Tosh the day before. It was such a confirmation that repentance is on the heart of the Lord. And we can talk about corporate repentance, but let's talk about individual and personal repentance first. So we're gonna take a time. There's this big space right here. And I don't think the Holy Spirit is more present here than in your seat or in the back. I don't think that the God's presence is here. You're like, oh, if you're not in here, you won't feel him. But there is sometimes a physical activation that happens when we physically do and make a choice. And one of the things that we talked about in terms of seeking the Lord, it's ending the separation. And I feel like the Lord is inviting us as a church to first come up individually are you struggling seeking the Lord? There's a passage in Psalm 95 that I want to read. I want you to close your eyes before I invite you to come up. Psalm 95. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. There's an invitation to let us bow down. The Lord is giving an invitation right now for you to come up here. And I feel like I wanna invite you guys to come up here individually and say, come, let us bow down and kneel down before the Lord God, our maker, for he is our God. This is our God. And who knows that the voice of the Lord is full of grace and truth, but the truth is it's our job to respond to his voice. Right after it says that, it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And the Lord is looking and I'll be honest, he sees some hardened hearts in our congregation. He sees that there's people in our congregation that have been invited to come and kneel down to repent. But instead we've chosen, not him, but we've chosen to let his word harden our hearts. And he says, let me soften your heart with the washing of the water of the word. And so I want to invite people to come on up. If you are struggling with seeking the Lord, if you're struggling with praising the Lord, we're going to give opportunity. I'm going to invite you to come up. 
So if that's you, come on up. Come let us kneel and bow down.